Warning, some people might find this story pretty disturbing. So a Waukechessa Christmas parade attack suspect was out on inappropriately low bond, the DA admits. So the man arrested over the deadly Christmas parade attack in Wisconsin should have been behind bars following an arrest earlier this month, but was released on an inappropriately low bond days before the attack, the district attorney admitted Monday. Darrell Brooks, 39, is charged with five counts of intentional homicide over the deadly crash on Sunday in Waukesha Waukesha, that left five dead and at least 48 injured, police said. Brooks was out on $1,000 cash bail at the time of Sunday's tragedy after he allegedly punched the mother of his child and purposely ran her over with his vehicle in a Milwaukee gas station parking lot on November 2nd, according to court documents. So again, this is allegedly, but just imagine the type of individual, right, that allegedly, again, punches the mother of their own kid and ran her over. Just think about that for a second, right? That is some dark stuff. So he was arrested and charged the same day with resisting or obstructing an officer, reckless endangering safety, disorderly contact, conduct, bail jumping, and battery. The Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office said Monday it had launched an internal probe into how Brooks was given such a low bond, given the seriousness of the charges and his criminal history. That being said, for those that aren't even aware of this type of situation, this is kind of like a situation where this type of individual is basically continuously released on very low bonds, where they end up committing another crime, allegedly, to basically get arrested and then immediately, basically, pretty much the same day or the next day, go back on another bond that's very low. Okay. So the state's bail recommendation in this case was inappropriately low in light of the nature of the recent charges and pending charges against Mr. Brooks in the DA's office said in a statement. The bail recommendation in this case is not consistent with the approach of the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office toward matters involving violent crime, nor was it consistent with the risk assessment of the defendant prior to setting of bail. This office is currently conducting an internal review of the decision to make the recent bail recommendation in this matter in order to determine the appropriate next steps. But again, the issue is actually, this is very commonplace, and this has happened multiple times. Right, this wasn't just like a one-time thing. This happened multiple times. So Brooks also had another pending case in Milwaukee from July last year in which he is charged with reckless endangering in illegal possession of a firearm, court documents show. Police said they were called to Brooks' home after he allegedly fired his gun during a dispute with his nephew on July 24th. His cash bail in that case was initially set at $10,000 before being reduced to $7,500, the DA's office said. 
which again, this is potentially a violent thing. And again, why is he uh, firing a gun that he is illegally possessing, right? So this is, again, another situation where it could be viewed as pretty violent or potentially violent, and yet the bail, right, is still very low, right? So this is something that you got to really understand. Like, this is not a one-time thing. And not only that, this guy's kind of like showing that he has a track record of potentially getting into potentially very serious physical altercations with his own family. So Brooks will remain in custody before his scheduled trial was set to get underway in February when he made a demand for a speedy jury trial. The DA said that the demand couldn't be met, so the case was adjourned adjourned, and his bail was dropped to just $500, which he posted on February 21st. And so in Wisconsin, a defendant has the right to have his or her criminal case tried within a certain period of time if the defendant requests it, said Julius Kim, a Milwaukee-based criminal defense attorney and former prosecutor. There are exceptions to this rule, but generally the time requirements must be adhered to, Kim said. In situations where a person remains in custody because of an inability to post bail, the court must release that person if the case isn't tried in time. Which is crazy, because again, he was in possession and fired an illegal firearm that he was not allowed to actually have. So Kim said, while, while Bell and Brooks' first case is not uncommon, it happens occasionally because of court congestion. But again, dealing that, like, doing something like that with someone who has a very long track record of criminal activity does not make sense. So with regard to the low cash bail request by the state in the newer case on November 5th, I think that could have been the result of inadvertence or perhaps an inexperienced prosecutor issuing the case and making a bail recommendation that was too low under the circumstances, Kim said. The former prosecutor added, I do think it's unusual for a prosecutor's office to acknowledge a mistake like this, but I know the district attorney personally, having worked in that office before, and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that he did. Waukesha Police Chief Dan Thompson revealed Monday that Brooks had been involved in a domestic disturbance just minutes before the Christmas parade carnage. Those killed in the rampage included four women ages 52 to 79 and an 81-year-old man. John Gross, associate professor at the University of Wisconsin Law School and the director of the Public Defender Project, said while he expects public outrage regarding Brooks' prior bail, he said Sunday's deadly incident was an aberration. My fear here is that people are going to have a knee-jerk reaction and say people charged with violent crimes shouldn't be allowed on the streets, Gross said. They are presumed to be innocent and we don't want to just lock people up because we think they might do something violent when they are out. 
And in fact, most studies show that it is very unlikely that someone who is out on bail, even if they're charged with a violent offense, is going to commit another violent offense. Now, that may or may not be true, but the thing is, when you have someone who has a very long criminal history, right, of multiple offenses, a lot of them dealing with violence or potential violence or alleged violence, right, does it make sense to provide a very small bail when potentially the people that he is violent to are his own family, right? That's where it kind of gets into like a weird murky line, right? Because, okay, so then are you saying that his family, the safety of his own family is not important at that point? Because someone who is willing to harm their own family is probably a little bit more likely to harm other people as well. Right, because if you're willing to harm your own family, you are more likely or probably are willing to harm other people other than your family as well. But again, I do agree that you shouldn't punish people because they might do something. The only thing is that bail setting was horrendous, right? And $500 $500 is just absurd, okay? To put it like, like, Frank, a $500 bail for a potentially violent offense is absurd, right? There's a lot of people who get set bails in like the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, for allegedly less crimes. Feel free to give your thoughts about this situation. It... It's a horrible situation that people got killed in this. Just honestly, it's more like a massacre. Honestly, like it is just horrible, right? People lost their lives for no reason, right? Like people died for no reason. Now, if this were to happen to you, right? Let's say this happened to one of your own family members, right? In this type of situation, hopefully, the family member that ended up passing away, getting killed, right, had some sort of life insurance because let's, like, you know, because, you know, there was like four people who died. Well, yeah, no, five people, I guess, who died and a few people who got, well, a lot of people who got injured, right? But some of those people might get, like, so injured to the point where they're, like, permanently disabled, right? So that's kind of a similar situation in terms of, like, financially speaking as to the outcome of, you know, the people who passed away. So let's say that you had life insurance for one of those individuals, right? If someone relied on one of these people's incomes, like, let's say that their kids basically relied solely on their income, Having some sort of life insurance can help protect the kid, can help protect the spouse, whoever is reliant on their income to survive. And I know a lot of people don't want to be like talking about like finances and all that kind of stuff when something horrible like this happens. But the thing is, things like this can happen. Freak things can happen 
And that's why it's always good to prepare your life in a way to where you're covered, right? Because this is already a horrible situation, but let's say that the family members of the people who passed away are now completely destroyed. Obviously not just because they lost a loved family member, but now, long term, some of them might end up passing away just because of the financial struggle, right? And a lot of people don't really talk about that, but in these types of situations, this is such a freak situation that having some sort of like life insurance or even health insurance for the people who got injured, right? That is actually good, like actually good health insurance because there's a lot of crappy health insurance out there can help protect them or their family if they've already passed away, right? And again, I understand a lot of people don't really like talking about this, but it is a factor in these types of situations, right? Because short term, yeah, it's brutal. Short term, this is a horrible situation. But long term, the long term effects of this can be immeasurable, right? It could be like an exponential amount of destruction cost to these families if none of them had insurance, none of them had life insurance, none of them were in a financial place to be able to take care of their their like their selves or their their kids. This is why everyone needs to do their best to get themselves in a situation where financially speaking they are healthy so that when freak things like this happen to them it's bad, it's horrible, but the people who are still surviving from the aftermath can slowly start to move on instead of basically staying at this like basically depression level state that could cause, you know, untold amounts of damage, right? Because it's it's not going to solve the problem. Right, like you know, having good life insurance, having good health insurance, making sure that you're debt free is not going to solve this problem, but it will make it easier to deal with the aftermath of something like this, right? Because then most of your time will be focused on grieving and not be like, oh my god, I can't even survive the next week and pay my bills. I don't even have enough food, like, you know, enough money to pay for groceries for my kids, right? So you have, like, basically no time to actually grieve the situation because your financial situation is so dire that you can't even think about it, right? Like, that's a scary situation, and that could lead down to people getting addicted to drugs, people overdosing, people potentially, like, uh letting out their emotions against their own family, all kinds of stuff, right? Which is why a lot of times when you have a healthier financial situation, when you're debt-free, when you have good insurance, when you have investments, all that kind of stuff, right? When your financial life is healthy, it makes it easier on you when you're dealing with these brutal situations. So if you want to learn how to get out of debt, Go to 40 And again, it doesn't solve the issue. And a lot of people might stumble upon this like, oh, you know, who the hell cares about, you know, money in this type of situation? The thing is, short term, 
This is massive amounts of destruction, a lot of emotional stuff, but there's some people who are affected by this that their financial situations are so dire that they can't even grieve from this situation. So I don't want anyone to be that to be in that situation where you literally have no time to grieve, no time to actually deal with the emotions involved in this whole situation because you could end up potentially losing your own life long term. I want people to be able to be in a situation where financially speaking that they are healthy enough to basically weather the storm through this type of situation so that they can actually have the time to recover and grieve from this horrendous experience. And this is horrible, right? This is just purely horrible and honestly purely evil. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by our personal finance courses. So if you have problems with mastering your money and you need help, go down below and learn how to master your money. And this is a plan that anyone of any income level can follow. It is simple and easy to follow for any income level in any situation and it's very straight to the point. And if you want to learn how to make money online, go down below as well. And we'll see you in future episodes.